Podcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the city of innovation, education, and of course, Fenway Park, this is TI Clergy Corner, a weekly podcast that brings you timely, insightful, and impactful weekly sermons. In this episode, we'll hear a live recording of Rabbi Elaine Zecker's Erev Rosh Hashanah sermon delivered on Sunday, September 29th, 2019, entitled Beyond and Because of Anti-Semitism. When did you realize that anti-Semitism might be about you? Of course you remember, I do. It was around a board game, a Ouija board, a mysterious game where everyone sat in a darkened room and lightly touched something called a message indicator, probably the original idea for the computer mouse. In the silence of the room, the message indicator would move around to different letters to communicate to everyone sitting there. I was in my teens and at a friend's house. Everyone there was a born-again Christian, except for me. That was the usual scenario where I grew up. The girl at whose house we were playing had to ask her mother's permission to be part of the group to use Elaine Zecker's Ouija board. Her mom would watch. It feels like magic to use the Ouija board because fingers move so lightly on it, it seems impossible that anyone could dictate its movement. But as I soon discovered, it's actually very possible. There we were with the message indicator starting to move. First, it spelled Y-O-U, then A-R-E, and then T-H-E. And then it stopped, maybe for dramatic effect. And then it spelled the last word, D-E-V-I-L. Everyone looked at me. I laughed because I thought it was so ridiculous. They didn't, and then it happened. The mother stared at me and then at the girls and said, this is what happens when you let a Jew allow you to engage in devil worship. I didn't even understand what she meant, but I knew it was time to go home. I went home and I didn't say anything to my parents because it was too weird and besides, I couldn't articulate the feeling of discomfort. And it was not until I sat a few years later in confirmation class at Temple David in Monroeville, Pennsylvania and heard our beloved Rabbi Edelstein explain anti-Semitism as the dislike of the unlike that I understood. And then my entire childhood growing up as one of the few Jews in the town came into full view. Perhaps this deeply personal experience resonates with some of you, for we now know that many of us have experienced anti-Semitism firsthand. Decades later, I have a fuller understanding certainly of the mother's behavior, then and likely now in many, perhaps some churches, 
biblical and religious references, particularly to the cause of the death of Jesus, have been seized upon as opportunities to denigrate the Jews. But it didn't start there. Pharaoh, the king of Moab, and Haman all othered us, likening our ancestors to swarms of insects with threatening power. And whether anti-Semitism found its basis in political, financial, or cultural arenas, a persistent theme continues to this day. In the eyes of anti-Semites, we and all those in the Jewish orbit are others diluting and infesting society with our devil-infused ways and therefore exist on the outside. We are not true and real citizens wherever we reside. Anti-Semitism and its cousins, Holocaust denial and delegitimization of Israel have no rational explanation or justification. Anti-Semitism may be disguised in an academic voice, offered with regard to human rights, or presented as an explanation for some societal challenge, but each of these is easily unmasked to reveal its evil and hateful intent. Anti-Semites are dangerous bullies. They think they will look good if they make others look bad. And there's no sense in trying to engage with anti-Semites. It's like trying to reason with a toddler in the midst of a tantrum on the grocery store floor as to why he can't knock over the big display of macaroni boxes. Neither toddlers nor anti-Semites are capable of hearing rational thought or expectation of proper behavior. Nevertheless, we should not relax our vigilance toward anti-Semitism. We must call it out and demand that our leaders do the same. In word and deed, they and we must convey unequivocally that such behavior is unacceptable and will engender a swift and bold response. And even as we go forward, when we hope and pray that anti-Semitism diminishes and God willing, maybe, perhaps, possibly even disappears, we cannot forget what the Holocaust has taught us. It remains a reminder in and of itself that certain behaviors attitudes and actions that initially may seem non-threatening can turn devastatingly quickly, very quickly. All the events and centuries leading up to World War II serve as a playbook for anti-Semitism. The false security following that era that anti-Semitism could no longer gain the traction it once had proved terribly incorrect. It only appeared to go underground and quietly await its moment. Incidents of anti-Semitic occurrences and ADL provides us with very important data points to understand it may rise more than they fall, but they have never ever disappeared. So here we are again. 
We are all frighteningly aware that anti-Semitism has taken a larger stage, rising in Europe, embedded in the ideologies of particular political parties in England and elsewhere, including America, on the left and the right, though with different methodologies, on social media, a frighteningly efficient vehicle to spew and promulgate derogatory themes and conspiracy theories, and of course, use of Israel as perpetual villain. The impact of anti-Semitism affects each of us and causes psychic pain. And this is why we must continue to be ever vigilant, even if we have never experienced anti-Semitism ourselves. It's not going away as much as we may hope it would, and we can't ignore it. But we don't want to feed it or create the equivalent of the Greek mythological figure of the Hydra that keeps growing more heads the more it is attacked. Be not afraid, the prophet Jeremiah urged the Jews exiled in Babylonia. They were the ultimate other in the land of their conquerors. Fear like pain can come upon us in unpredictable ways. So let's work to deepen our understanding of the detrimental effect of hate, which can cause fear. Anti-Semites may live with the belief that it is okay to hate. We do not. We cannot become like them, rage-filled, with hate eating away like a hot coal burning our hands, not theirs. They certainly ignore the holiness code, which we will read on Yom Kippur, which clearly states, do not hate another in your heart, but love your neighbor as yourself. But we know these ideas have much to teach us. This is not about befriending or even forgiving anti-Semites. We have no obligation in that realm, but we must take care of our communities and ourselves. And that is why we must understand the vicious nature of hate to help us respond and to live our lives despite and because of it. So first, we condemn hate. The Talmud teaches that baseless hate is equal to idolatry, illicit relations, and murder combined. The rabbis understood how perilous, irrational hate can be, whether hidden under the surface or explicitly expressed. They thought of hate as the root of all interpersonal transgressions because it leads people to behave in ways that promote violence and misrepresentation toward others. Pittsburgh, Poway, Charlottesville, and so many more places experienced hate manifest in anti-Semitism on display. Ultimately, people who act with baseless hate destroy themselves. Leviticus teaches, do not hate another in your heart. Once it is there, it eats away at dignity, compassion, and truth, leaving a vacuous inner core. Therefore, we cannot let hate destroy us as well. Our energy and vigilance is an antidote to their hate.
Yet how do we live with the pain of their hatred toward us, an infliction we cannot always predict, though we know how insidious it is and how it can lie dormant and, or hidden? Many of us grew up in a world when our parents or grandparents shared stories of their youth, of how they confronted anti-Semitism in the U.S. or in other nations. Some among us escaped the, its death grip in Europe and Arab lands. We held on to and were taught about the dark cloud that could take hold at any moment. They told us to hide our Jewish star necklaces and not to talk about being Jewish. It sounds eerily familiar in our day. And yet, we can. We have to be different by not being afraid. So second, what anti-Semites say is false about Jews and Judaism. They can't determine what and who we are. Only we have the power to do that. Only we can transform these darker moments with the light and hope our tradition offers us. We can demonstrate and celebrate a beautiful and treasure-filled tradition that inspires and inculcates meaning deep into our lives. When we share our love of who and what we are, we model for others how precious Judaism and being Jewish truly is. The way we celebrate and rejoice, bring to life the passion of the prophetic voice, allow our curiosity and love of learning to sustain us, and recognize the power of a people and community still thriving after many centuries nurtures us all. Hatred will not define us, but love, courage, and perseverance, and taking care of one another certainly can. And third, we learned through the terrible sadness and horror this past year, especially as we gathered in this sanctuary after Pittsburgh, that our relationships with the greater community matter and protect us all. 1,800 people showed up in this building and more than 4,000 online. Our Christian and Muslim brothers and sisters and from other religious traditions as well held us up and surrounded us with their supportive ten tenderness, their presence and their voices, both on the personal and communal level, make for a different and better world to inhabit together. When others are willing to stand by our side, nurtured by relationship, our place has a firm foundation, just as we have stood with them in their time of need. When those in our midst reject the notion that any of us is truly othered, than those who hate lose power. And finally, our commitment to combat anti-Semitism and baseless hate, cherish our Judaism and foster relationships, insists upon our own self-examination of how we support others beyond our, the Jewish community who are vulnerable are we doing the best we can to ensure that others aren't othered? 
as we look forward to the day when the topic of anti-Semitism sits in the history department, not in Judaic studies as if it is ours to solve, it leads us to examine our own sources of bias that we may unintentionally and unconsciously assert in our own lives on others. For when we examine that, it is a bridge between us and the world we aspire to live in. We do live in challenging times, and yet also in a world with great possibility to combat and overcome anti-Semitism. We can act together and stand strong. All of us in the Jewish orbit, supported and surrounded by friends and neighbors, can persevere and celebrate with pride and with courage the beautiful tradition, ancient and ever-evolving, that is ours to hold, to live, and to cherish. Come back on Yom Kippur for part two. So may it be. Rabbi Zecker is grateful for the thorough analysis and methodology used by Professor Lipstadt in her most recent book, Antisemitism Here and Now, and in the lectures she offered at the Hartman Institute, where Rabbi Zecker was part of the Rabbinic Leadership Institute in the summer of 2019. Rabbi Zecker is also grateful to her parents, who created a vibrant Jewish home for their family, supported by active involvement and leadership in their synagogue. Thanks for listening to TI Clergy Corner. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll visit our website, www.tisrael.org slash clergycorner, which includes resources used by the clergy. This has been a Temple Israel of Boston production. Join us next time for another episode of TI Clergy Corner.